Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Beverly Jones. So she's from Awaken Coaching. She's also an author, a speaker, and a coach from South Wales. Uh, welcome, Beverly. Thank you. Hello. Um, thanks for, for joining us. Um, so um, that gives us a little snippet about what you do, but fill in the blanks for our, our listeners. What are you most passionate about at the moment in, in work and in life? Um, in work, I have a few passions, actually. Sure. Um, the, the business has kind of diversified a little bit. Um, I started out doing life coaching eight years ago, but the business now has three kind of separate angles, all of which I'm passionate about. One is around um, the Awaken Business Club and small businesses. So people who start up and, and grow and want to grow, but find sometimes just, especially if they're on their own, um, that kind of, ah, I can't do it. I don't know where to go next, you know. So offering support and guidance through people starting up their businesses. Um, I work a lot around, I've got a, a corporate angel program, which works with the larger kind of blue chip companies and large organizations and that's that's based around mental health in the workplace um, which is a, as a result of my own burnout um, nine years ago so I kind of work a lot in that part of the industry and then the others um, is kind of speaking and events so either attending events as a speaker um, or indeed running events I've got a business show now I'm running in June and a mind body spirit healthy wealthy living show very different sides of, of the coin um, in October. So kind of keep busy, but those are the three angles, really, small businesses, um, mental health in the workplace, and the events. And all, I would say, have a theme around mental health and well-being at their core. Sounds That's definitely, my passion. Definitely sounds busy. Um, yeah, you it is sound busy. very passionate. And what I always realize on doing these interviews is that I personally always learn something, which is what um, I love about uh, um, about doing this. Um, and interestingly, I'm six, seven weeks into having fully quit my day job and I'm freshly in business. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, brilliant. Um, I'm also, my business is mental health consultancy. So I'm, I'm doing lots of um, training and consultancy around mental health in the workplace. Based, oh, fantastic. based on my own experience as well, because that's how, how we learn and uh, what sort of yeah. can fuel our passion, even though yes. really it's adversity, right? So uh, a, bur yeah. a burnout for you and uh, all sorts of things for me, but um, it can really be the thing that propels us to have purpose within our yeah. work. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so give us a little bit of uh, context about, you know, how you started out um, what was your childhood like? Do you think your, your parents in the education system prepared you for sort of life in the adult world? Um, I had an amazing childhood. So my childhood, um, I was born in, born in Raglan, which is a little village here in South Wales. Uh, just loved it, loved my childhood. My parents certainly did equip me and still 
equip me every single day i have to say if i want anything i just am very very fortunate and very blessed to still be able to turn to them um so yeah they, they were brilliant and i had a great family life so very much we were very close as a family very close to my grandparents very close to my siblings just a lovely childhood kind of a bit bullied in in comprehensive school in the kind of you know um 11 to 16 years weren't the greatest but i knew as soon as i got on the bus and i went home that i would i would literally um be able to uh go back to that safe secure place does that make sense yeah, yeah. so you, you knew yeah. you had that safe haven well, i had that regroup. safe haven yeah and um so that was brilliant for me absolutely amazing um started school was okay didn't really do much um to succeed in school i have to say i only left school which uh, shows my age saying four cse's which were you know not even gcse level um but below that uh, and that was a lot to do with the fact of the bullying and just wanting to get out just didn't want to be in school did, um, so, did, then, t- did teachers and parents sort of know about the bullying um not really my mum says no i didn't know about that back then you know and, and i think that though in those days bullying wasn't um like it is today in that it's not as the profile wasn't quite as high you does that make had sense to get on with it right you just have to get on with it you know and crack on sort of thing um, so i did tell people i did tell teachers but not, not a lot was really done um about it and my parents no you know i didn't really trouble them with it i just kind of i knew i could just go to work go to school um i had some very close friendships in school some of which still remain today oh amazing uh yeah um and one friend in particular would always kind of be in my corner if you like and have my back as they say so you know while it was horrible and not a nice situation i was able to walk away every day and get on the bus and go back to raglan which all these other the bullies if you like lived in the local town so i never had any involvement with them outside school um did you ever refuse to go to school or or try to get out of going to school or true yeah yeah Yeah. i had you know i had kind of i got stomach ache got cold you know all those sorts of things so yeah i tried to get out of it when i was in school would just do everything i can like an avoidance you know yeah yeah Um, uh, just try and get downtown or, or avoid wherever these people were i would always avoid those situations um you know I, I used to love netball but they were in the netball team so i kind of gave up on netball so little things like that which now looking back are irritating because well, you it know affected your your path or the aspirations it did, you might yeah have. absolutely um and my choices when i did my choices in which classes i was going to take when you get to 13 i kind of was very deliberately chose the ones they weren't in <laughs> so right you know the fact that i didn't particularly like some of the stuff i did um i did it because they weren't in it so you know that that kind of affected it i suppose but it certainly didn't affect me or my life long t- long term i did discover when i went through my mental health burnout um 9 years ago that i'd kind of filed a lot of that stuff away um they, you know i spoke to the counselor and it, it, i describe it now as having a filing cabinet in my in my brain um and i just kind of like had stuck it in a file and shut the drawer on it you know and that was how i how i kind of dealt with it more um, avoidance I, in a way yeah until i kind of as i said went through the burnout and then it did all kind of come spilling out you know and, and some of the things that were affecting me at that time um were again linked to some stuff in the workplace it all kind of joined together and and worked out you know um burnout's an interesting one it really truly is a build yeah and i and bullying and and all that kind of stuff and i think i'd 
now looking back on it, probably, you know, I'd been bullied in work in the workplace as well. But I now realise since I've accepted that, um, I can't describe it really. I've accepted that that I'm not the problem. Does that make sense? That it's their problem, not that my problem. That it's you're not to blame. It's not your I'm fault not to blame. that it happened. Yeah. You're and not a bad person. Point, yeah. yeah. Since that point, um, thankfully, I haven't come across any other bullies. So I stood up. Yeah, I stood up to a bully. Um, a bit of a set year. So about four or five years ago, I came across somebody who again was a bully. And at this point in time, I stood up to them and I reported them to the CEO. And wow, that's a lot huge. of stuff done. Yeah, and it was massive, you know, for me because it actually meant that I dealt with it. And I hadn't realized until that point that it needed to be dealt with. Yeah. But once I stood up to them and all of that other stuff that had happened was like, oh, if only I'd done that back then, you know. Sure. But, I did, but I did. And and now I, since then, um, yeah, it's not happened. So I kind of think I'm a great believer in you will keep getting the same experiences time after time after time in life until the one day you deal with it. And when you've dealt with it, you no longer have those experiences present themselves. Isn't it annoying? But uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It is annoying. You think, oh, so bloody annoying. You're like, haven't yeah. I learned this already? Um, I know. But really uh, good to reiterate for our listeners that just because it's coming up again, it just means it's a different angle that you've got to learn angle, how to deal with. And you, yeah. Deal just, with it. Don't avoid. Don't avoid. Just don't avoid it. Accept it's happening and deal with it. And the minute you deal with it, you can walk free of it and it will not come up. It, well, I certainly not in my life had it come wow. up as another experience. Same as relationships. I had bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship yeah. until the last one I dealt with. The thing thought, that kept repeating. Yeah, kept repeating. Um, ended up as part of the burnout scenario, really, a toxic relationship, all these sort of things. And now I'm with, you know, a lovely guy. And, uh, yeah, wouldn't know that I'm never, ever going to go back there because, no, I'm not in that position to ever allow myself or accept those situations again. Not that I would ever need to because he's certainly sure. probably the most, you know. Sure, but I see what you mean about patterns repeating themselves. And I'm wondering if the early bullying just impacted your confidence in your your maybe your intuition about decisions to do with work or sort of moving on into life um strangely enough <laughs> what they did do was almost make me go i'll show you let me prove you wrong i know that one I'll well prove you wrong I'll prove you watch wrong. this space yeah, so you yeah. Realize nobody's watching and you're just yeah. working hard because to every to single Every single exam I've taken ever since, I've passed with a credit or a distinction or straight A's or, yeah, everything, yeah. you know. Even starting my own business on the back of my burnout and the back of the toxic relationship on the back of the bullying, all of that stuff. I am determined. I've been in business eight years. And, you know, I regularly do things on local radio, um, things where I know these people will be listening. And I'm like, I'll show you. Still. I'll show you, you know. Yeah. Wow. And it's a great feeling, you know, it's a great feeling to be able to be successful and and almost have that yeah. So there I is something this. about the adversity being a driver for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I always have that. I always have like, right, okay, that that was me. Now watch how I come out of that. <laughs> watch me. Watch. Okay, so watch almost me. looking at it as a challenge to take on. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, my personal life has never really been that relationship, certainly. But, you know, not with my parents or any part of my family. Um, 
I kind of wanted to do it, I suppose. My management career started when I was about 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I trained as a hairdresser, didn't like it. Trained as a secretary, didn't like it. Ended up in management. Um, I absolutely loved management for 30 years and got to the top of basically reporting in a director level. So kind of not bad for somebody who didn't have any qualifications yeah. and no degree. What did you love yeah. about it? Um, about management? Yeah. I, don't, I just loved working, you know, I loved working with people. And, and when I wanted to do my own business, I thought, what is it I loved about what I did? And, and the people were the big thing. Sure. I love people. I'm really interested in people. Yeah. Um, I love as a manager watching other people succeed. So I like managing teams where I see other people's successes, which is why I love doing what I do now with either the corporates or with the small businesses is watching those people succeed, watching those people get something from the help I can give them. Um, And I always say to people, you know, the people's success is is as important to me as it is to them. And I love it. I love that side of it. some fulfillment there. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a huge part for me, you know, to to see that happening. And and when I do my shows, you know, I want people to have a good day. I want people to be, have clients come through it or to have a successful day, etc. You know, that, that's the key for me. Um, so yeah, I think it is coming through that other side and saying, yeah, I can show you, I can do it and I'm going to make it, you know, and I'm going to help other people on the way and I'm going to do it. It shits with my integrity and, and yeah, yeah. the and, person. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. am I right in, in understanding correctly that there was a build up to a burnout and that led to you? Tell us a bit about the burnout actually. And I'm interested in how that sort of informed your choices to go into business. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd always, like I said, I had this corporate career. So I used to work in a film processing company. I did that for 17 years on, you know, wow. in different levels. So I used to work for Kodak, so a massive company. Yeah. Um, worked right up through, you know, managing teams of 200 people, wow. kind of direct line sort of things. So did all of that. Then in my um, late 30s, decided that I needed to change. I'd gone from managing big groups of people to going into marketing in Kodak. So I'd done some marketing, I'd done some budget management, all that sort of stuff. So I learned operational stuff, I'd learned people skills. I had this massive bundle of things and I thought, oh, I need to do something now, I need to change my life. Um, so I headed off to Ireland. Um, like Dick Whittington with my car all packed up and didn't yeah. know anybody. Right. Um, but what I did know was that I needed to just have a change. So I went to Ireland to, um, strange enough, marry a farmer and write a book. I hadn't met the farmer, but in my head it was like, that's what I'm going to do. Oh. <laughs> I was going to become an author and I was going to meet an Irish farmer and I was going to have this wonderful country life and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, but I got promoted three times instead. So that just sort of shows you the sort of person I am. I go in and I'm like, oh, okay then. Um, and I ended up there doing account management and that was with a car leasing company. Um, and then after three and a half years in Ireland, felt I wanted to come back. Um, my parents were getting older. I had two young nephews, really missed my family. Um, I hadn't met the farmer and I hadn't written any book. And I thought, mm, maybe I'll go back. <laughs> so I came back and I moved back to Wales, which was the first time since my 20s. Um, I had 21 house moves in 24 years over the years. Wow. Uh, so moved around a lot, but ended up deciding to come back to Wales. And I started to work on the railway Mm. That was in 2004. Um, and I started as group station manager, so looked after the whole of kind of South Wales and had obviously the staff and, and all the things that went with looking after that railway. And then about two years in, they asked me, would I do the head of stations role, which I did. I said yes. And can um, I just ask during this process, did you 
did you feel happy, fulfilled, a sense of contentment? Like, were you enjoying yeah, I all did. this? You yeah, I did. You know, I had a really good manager there at the time. He was brilliant yeah. um, and was really, you know, I'm a gra- I love learning. So I love, I was learning yeah. about new things. And they say, to me, you're always asking questions and, and there was people involvement, customers, staff, you know. So I had all those things that fulfilled everything for me. Mm. Um, I then took on the head of stations role. Um, but they said to me, could I do the group station manager at the same time? So I double hatted and did two roles. Wow. The head of stations meant that I was looking after the whole of Wales mm-hmm. um, plus I was looking after South Wales on a different level so my days literally consisted of me getting up going out being with the staff traveling all over Wales meeting people getting home at night and then doing my admin until the early hours because I couldn't do my admin you know when I was out and about so your so life hours, was your work your yeah, work was literally. your life yeah, yeah. Okay. And my relationship wasn't good. You know, he wasn't a great person. Now, I don't particularly want to talk about him very much because sure. he's not worthy of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you but, know. But you're part. saying there was added stress because yeah, of your was relationship. Yeah, added stress. Sure. toxic relationship wasn't good, you know. Yeah. So that kind of added to it. And then I was working long hours. I'd work Saturdays if there was events on, um, so rugby matches, those sorts of things. was expected to work sometimes from 8 in the morning till midnight. Um, so long days. You know, it was just that sort of work pressure, work, 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 work all the time. And just doing the two roles really took their toil. You know, I couldn't, I had no free time. I, I was eating rubbish. I was eating, um, when I say rubbish, I was eating a lot of fast foods, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was and, probably- and during this stage, did you have any education, knowledge, or awareness about things like mental health, well-being, no. burnout, like those sorts of concepts? No, not at all. Okay. Um, I'd always, I kind of, yeah, get on with it. I'd started to read a little bit more around um, the law of attraction, like the secret and things like that, and suddenly started to realize, you know, what you think about is what you bring to you, and your, you know, your mind knows no different between vision and reality. But I didn't have time to absorb any of it. Mm. It wasn't really making any sense. We're just so busy working, 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 working. Um, and my manager changed. I, I, relinquished the head of stations role because it went out to um interview went for interview didn't get it but didn't want it anyway you know one of my didn't want the job because right. i was happy to just do the the kind of group station manager unfortunately somebody took over um and that's where it all started to really tumble um again you know i can't really talk about it too much I'm kind of bound by a, a an sure. agreement but you know, it just wasn't a healthy environment to be working in. I was working far too many hours. I'd been doing these two roles for about a year or so. Um, and it all started to get too much. And I now talk about the seven signs you're not coping. Mm. Um, and I do talks around that. And those sort of things um, are like, you know, there was persistent sadness. And when I say sadness, it was sadness that would wake me up in the night, but I'd be crying when I woke up. So literally... Mm waking up crying um there was the paranoia everybody was talking about me you know the whole kind of stuff that was going on um everywhere i went i felt people were talking about me as a result i became very isolated so started to shut myself away turn down invitations from friends that led to me being really lonely um there was just me and this relationship that i was in and my work which wasn't a good environment um physically my health started to deteriorate in that my immune system started to shut down um i became very um 
yeah, I always had coughs and colds, I had kidney infections, chest infections. I was forever on antibiotics. Um, just and I all often those sorts. notice that uh, people focus on health issues. So when they start getting physical health issues, they go to the doctor and they start focusing on healing themselves in some way, but not taking into account the mental or stress strain yeah. that is actually perhaps causing some of those physical health issues. But like it's yeah. more acceptable to go to the doctor for those that immune system stuff than it is to go, hey, I'm struggling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I kept doing, you know, until, right. um, I mean, one of my other ones was anger. Yeah, I became so angry. I, I, I'm not a confrontational person, as hence I always walked away from the bullying um, in all situations in my life. So Avoid I'd always conflict. kind of not do, yeah, with conflict or confrontation, I would walk away from it. Yeah. But I became really angry. So I was just shouting at everybody, you know, even my lovely parents, bless their heart. Um, I would literally be shouting and, and having rows with them for no reason, you know, just me and the way that I was. Um, so, yeah, the, the anger became really bad. And it was at those points where I thought, I've got to do something about this. And then I got to the stage where I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning to go to work. Um, I hated everything about my job I used to sit there and cry in my office and think get me out of here you know um and to the point where I ended up at the doctors uh, and was told that I had depression and so clinical depression and severe anxiety being brought on by a series of events yeah, and wow. so at that point I knew that I had to do something he told me I was two, two weeks before being hospitalized so I had to make that decision to take a sick note that day um, which was hard because I didn't like taking sick you know I was clearly just one of the people that used to work 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 and um, so hated did that you and obviously I, know, I understand you can't talk about certain things but did you ask for help at any stage whether it was internal to work or external with friends or family and um, sort of admit that you were struggling no show no weakness don't be stupid you yeah. can deal with this what's yeah. the matter with you do you yeah. know what I mean get just on crack harder. on cope everybody does it don't they don't everybody just cope you can do it you're, yeah. beginning, you're pathetic you know there's all these things going on wow. in my head so like a strong um, inner dialogue yeah really bad um, mm. to the point of you know you haven't got depression you haven't got mental health you've always been fine you've always been strong you've always fought back get on with it yeah um but that day when I walked out of the doctors, um, I had this sick note in my hand and I thought, there's two things really. First of all was, well, at least there's something wrong with me. <laughs> at least I've got a diagnosis, a bit of a relief. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, I felt like a huge failure. The stigma that goes with mental health is massive and it's massive. The self-stigma is far greater than any stigma anybody That's else can put thinking. on you. Yeah. It's, so then it's the imagined external yeah. stigma as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. Um, and I just kept thinking, everybody's going to judge me. Everybody's going to have a, you know, it's all, a, it's not right. I'm a failure. And the fact that for this 28, 30 years, I'd had this amazing career, rose to the top of my career in, in London, in Dublin and in, in Wales. That was all that it, it was wiped out. You know, I was useless. I was useless. I was a failure. Um, nobody would ever trust me again. I wouldn't trust them again. So that all went. Wow. It, it was massive. So and I had to take as past myself. achievements counted. No, not one of them. And it didn't matter who told me that they did. I didn't believe them. And I didn't I couldn't hold on to any of that at all. None of it. It all became this black, black hole. Um, I call them now my duvet days. I stayed a lot under my duvet. Um, didn't want to go out. Didn't want to come out. Um, I became suicidal. I considered um, taking my own life. Yeah. I 
self-harmed. So I went through all of that stuff. And then, you know, my parents, bless them, uh, my mum, I had a kind of big fallout with my mum one day. And she said, look, either you tell the doctor everything that's going on here, because I've been to the doctor, I've been diagnosed, because I think you need something to help you. Um, And she said, if you don't go, then I'm going to go and I'm going to find out how I can get you help because this isn't you. Yeah. She was desperate, really desperate. I blessed her sister today. I wish I could have done more. And there was nothing more she could have done. I didn't reach out at work because I just felt that it, I would be seen as weak. So it was a massive weakness um, to have anything like that wrong. Um, you know, it was a very male-orientated environment because it yeah. was the railways. Of course. So oh my it really felt like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's because she's a woman. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not woman. coping. So, yeah, yeah. That was the sort of things I had going on in my head. Sure, it wasn't true, but it didn't. Um, the also, and I couldn't talk to my peers. Now, people ask me, if could I have talked to anybody? Yes, I think if they'd have said to me, look, we've identified there's some issues here. Your work isn't as, you know, you're taking more time off work. There are serious issues in that you're not getting your reports in on time, all of this stuff. Are you okay? Would you like to talk to occupational health? Mm -hmm. Would you like to go to the employment assistance program? I probably would have said, yeah, maybe I should give it a go, but nobody ever did. Oh, wow. Um, So I don't, I don't blame them per se. What I blame is their lack of understanding. Yeah, the culture. And their lack of education. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what happens in a lot of big businesses. Absolutely. It's just the lack. And that's what I try to do today is to go out and talk about these things to get people to understand what it's like. If you're managing people, these are the signs to look out for. These are the things you need to be doing um, and looking out for and speaking to these people about if these things are happening. Um because nobody did that for me. Nobody said. And I think, I now looking back, I realized I, I went off sick in 2009. But I look back now and realize this all started in about 2007, 2008. Of course it did. So people didn't notice because everybody was changing. The world was getting busier, you know. So because of that, this gradual decline, nobody really picked it up. Um but again, you know, I was really fortunate. My parents were very understanding. Um, I was able to talk to them. My mum, I did go to the doctors on my mum's recommendation. I was under the doctor anyway, but this was in the August. I was off sick. Um, and I was diagnosed, uh, not diagnosed, um, I was given antidepressants or whatever, you know, you, you want to call them. I was given medication. Mm-hmm. And I also started counselling. So those two things and the family and support friends um, really did kind of help get me through, but I had to take a year off. Um, okay, I so got, you took a whole year off. I had to take a year off um, to basically get back to any sort of normalization. I gave my notice and I took ill health redundancy in the November of that year, in November 2009, because I knew I could never, ever go back to work again in that environment um, mm. or for that company. Um, and I actually felt then I couldn't really work for anybody again because I didn't want I didn't want to go through what I'd gone through. Makes sense. So yeah, I thought... Yeah. I can't do that. I can't work for anybody. I don't know what to put on the form anyway. Why did you leave your last job? Oh, I'll just put um, depression and mental health. That's really (laughs) going to, that's really going to get me a job. Yeah. I I was just going to say, did you think you'd never like be back in a career again? Yeah. You thought that was it? I did. I thought that was it. I thought nobody would ever want to employ, you know, nobody ever want to employ me. And anyway, I was so useless and, you know, everything else. But it's it's amazing when you look at it and you think that was nine years ago. Things have changed so much. Yeah. 
um, over that time, you know, in the last nine years now with obviously all the campaigns that are out there, the Time yeah. to Change Wales campaign, the Mind, Heads Together, do you know what I mean? You've got all these things um, that it's coming out there now. It's It's got a much... Um, much different profile today than it had nine years ago. So I really didn't tell anybody. Even when I started my own business, I went took a year out. Um, and even when I started my own business, I didn't tell people why I was starting my own business. They used to say to me, well, you know, why did you leave your corporate career? And I'd say, oh, I just got ill really and, you know, had some stuff going on and, and so decided that I just thought I'd give start my own business a go. Is that <laughs> you know, because it's still like that? Yeah. Is that because you still felt a bit of shame about how, what had happened? A bit of shame, yeah. I thought I'd be judged, you know, big time. Um, so, yeah, never, ever talked, really talked about it very much. And then in 2012, so this is, I started my business in 2010. And in 2012, I started doing some voluntary work for a campaign called Time to Change Wales. And they're in Time to Change England as well. But I did it um originally tra- trained with England but then because I live in Wales became part of that and part of the um, being a volunteer for them is going out and talking about your um, oh, experience yes and standing up in front of people and telling people what happened and and your mental health and talking about stigma and discrimination wow um so I kind of joined them and in the same time that I did that I'd um got my book published which is uh, called made it through the rain yeah and that chronicles my journey through that 12 months of what happened and how it felt to go through it and what it was like to go through it and i thought you know what these two things together mean i'm gonna have to talk about it well and i'm uh, just curious hold on a minute i'm curious from the person who's like under the duvet suicidal just can't you know mm. you start accessing a bit of counseling and support you're, you're in deep shame about telling anyone about your story, even at the start of your business, right? And then it yeah. feels like a jump to go, and then I published this book, and now I'm talking for time to change. I know, I know. And I'm it's like going, oh, my God, what was the first time like that you talked in front of people? And what was the little middle bit that actually the got you bit. to that point? The middle point? bit. Um, basically, I did, some, um, I did a lot of self-help. So I did some reading, a lot of reading around okay. um kind of again the law of attraction you are what you think um yeah. you know visualize the outcomes you want Ooh, I, I joined um sue stone i don't know if you no. you're familiar with, with sue aren't you i think familiar with sue? i'm not sure what does she do um she's um, basically an empowerment coach and, and her story she's written a book called love life live life and her book was prominent in my recovery in that it really talks about um changing thought patterns she talks about her own story um about how she was really down there and then turned everything around um to be on secret millionaire on channel four and, and all of that oh, and i right. thought do you know what I can do this. I'm going to one day stand on the stage with Sue Stone and I'm going to tell my story. That was my kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and in 2011, I was really fortunate. I trained with Sue and became part of her foundation, Sue Stone Foundation. Yeah. Um, and that was really the starting point of going out and starting to share my story. 
And then I worked with a local coach who, who was saying to me, you know, you should put this into a book. You should tell people your story. And I was like, I can't. Every time I had a conversation with her, I'd cry. You know, I was like, right. no, I can't. <laughs> it's too raw. It's too, you know. And she was like, you can do this. You can do this. And I do have an ability to write quite quickly. Um, I can write about a thousand words an hour. So I'm very fortunate. My goodness. <laughs> um, I just sit at my computer and it all comes out. Um, so she sent me home one day, um, this lady, this local coach in Wales, and said to me, go home and, and start to write this. And I literally, in time hours, I would say, would be something like three or four weeks, wrote about 16,000 words and sent it off to a publisher. Um, and they accepted it and said that they would publish it. What, the first, person you, first publisher you sent it yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah, Shut I put up. it online. With, no, seriously, <laughs> I put it online. John John Hunt Publishing and sent them the manuscript, and they said yes, they would publish it. So again, pretty unheard of. I think. And uh, I was like, oh, right, okay. Well, it's out there now. Wow! And it was actually published in the same month that I joined Time to Change Wales. You can't take it back now. <laughs> can't take it back. And bless Sue Stone. Um, she used to do um stuff on radio wave or Bournemouth some she lives in Bournemouth so somewhere down that way and um she invited me on to be interviewed on the show yeah and to talk about my situation and I thought oh, I can do that because it's in Bournemouth I live in Wales you see so it's about good three hours away so no one's gonna listen no one's gonna <laughs> it's fine it's yeah. fine yeah. Um, and I always remember one of my friends actually said to me, because a really, really close friend, I told her about, um, you know, the self-harming and stuff. And she said to me, don't tell anybody because you will be judged. So don't ever say anything. Right. Anyway, the night I went on the radio, I texted her and I went, you know, you said not to tell anybody. I've been on radio. <laughs> I told everybody. <laughs> I told everybody. But it's in Bournemouth, so it doesn't matter. She was like, oh, my God. So um, anyway, that was the start of it. And then I started to go out with time to change well the first couple of times i told my story was really nerve-wracking you know it was really kind of scary emotional and i would get home and funny enough i would get home and cry but i would also get home and sleep because it really what i refer to them as emotional hangovers when you when you give give so much of yourself you're really that vulnerable uh, yeah. And the next day or a couple hours later, it's like, fuck, what have I done? And you, you just feel like really empty or I don't know. Everyone, has, yeah. people have different I feel drained. Symptoms. I used yeah. to go home and get under the quilt, put the TV on and then just go to sleep for a couple of hours. Every time I did a talk, every time I, you know, and even now, even now, nine years on, I still do work with Time to Change Wales. I'm actually their longest serving champion now wow. um, and done my talk for them, I think, way over 150 times. Wow. Um, but I go out and do other events now and speak. I speak about lots of different subjects, but one of them is obviously seven signs you're not coping. Mm. Um, and even now, sometimes when I do them, I think, oh, you're really tired. Yeah. And it brings it back, you know, it does bring it back. But now I know that it's helping other people. That kind of helps as well. Completely. So. And I guess I highlight it because I want our listeners to know that just because that happens doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just no, means your body's not. got to get used to it and you need to do, nurture yourself a bit or have some yeah. self-care, like all those things. Um, but yeah. the impact is so profound when we it's can so be... so profound. Yeah. And the one thing that I would say to any of your listeners now is from the point of me thinking, I'm not going to tell anyone because they're going to judge me. Yeah. They do judge you, but 
they judge you for being inspirational and brave nice and doing stuff that oh i could never do that that is something you know oh that's amazing and and i don't do it for that no but i do it because the amount of people that have said to me because you've spoke out i'm going to speak out oh that's and that the biggest is, reward, isn't it? Oh, it is huge. Absolutely huge. I had one guy, I did a talk at a care home uh, down on the South Wales coast, and he found my website and mm. contacted me via my website and said, thank you so much for coming in to talk today. Um, I have been suffering from my mental health for a while, and last year I tried to take my own life. Um, I never told my manager. I just told her that I was off sick because I didn't want to. But today I went in and I've knocked on her door and I've had the conversation. And without you, I wouldn't have done that. And you think, oh, my God. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, no, that's, it's I do know huge. What you mean. And there was another one. Just want to give you another really brief example. where I did a talk and um, it was in a local housing association. And I went in on the Wednesday, did the talk. And on the Friday, I had to go back in to do another talk. Um, because the other volunteer couldn't do it. So I went in and I said, oh, really sorry, it's me again. And they were like, no, no, it's fine. It's a different audience. Mm. But she said, I'm really glad it's you. And I said, oh, why? And she said, well, she said, at the end of that last one you did on Wednesday, she said there was a gentleman that stood up and, and didn't actually say that he'd had any mental health issues, but was just talking in general about mental health in the workplace and things. And I said, yeah, I remember him. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, after it, she said he came up and said, um, that he needed to talk to the management and she said he came and told us he'd had issues for 20 years and had never felt able to come to us and she said we are now able to support him in ways we didn't even know he needed of course that's huge that's huge and that is why i do what i do today is because i want people to go do you know what it's okay to talk about it you know and there's more of us out there right well one in four reported have mental health problems as you know but yeah. you know it's more likely to be one in two it's just people don't want to talk about it and i urge anybody if there's anything that's troubling you even if you ring the samaritans they're free they don't know you they, yeah. they could be anywhere in the country but tell somebody tell a stranger on the bus yeah but get it out talk to people and so what is the magic of saying it out loud what, well, what is, I always say communica- communication is the best medication. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I say to people is once it's out there, it's it's like a relief. It's almost like you, it's like letting air out of a balloon. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Or if, if you want to think about it and take taking a cork, have a bottle of champagne. It's that kind of like <sighs> feeling yeah. it's out there. And once you've done it a couple of times and people have responded in the ways that I've said people respond to me, that gives you more confidence, more um, more reason to do it more because you think, you know, I need to help more people. I want to help more people speak out. I want yeah, to get it out yeah. there. You see the impact. And, so, and you see the impact yeah, on your own the, mental health. Yeah, and it's massively cathartic for me. You know, writing the book turned out to be that. That was huge. I can imagine. And people knowing who I am, people want to talk to me about it. You know, people will say, oh, if you, you, oh, you need to speak to Bev, you know, have a chat to Bev. She'll understand. People tell me things and they say, I haven't told anybody else, but I know I can tell you. And so you'll understand. And you think, oh, how lovely is that? There's people feel that, that they can say, you know, what it is. And that can come from anybody. That's not me. I'm not a superhuman. That can come from anybody. You will have those reactions 
so speak out you know because Amazing. it's uh, well so part, you, you part of that big, is you giving people permission by showing you know your own vulnerability and then they're able to talk about theirs yeah and what's what if we would think you know somebody who was in your state and just give advice for a second and we've said yeah. ask for help so tell somebody um what's the very next thing that they might do just to support their their journey to back to health um I think, you know, it depends how far you are down that, but don't ever hesitate to get medical, you know, medical advice. Yeah. Um, you know, not everybody has to go onto medication, but just making sure that the medics know what your, you know, what your situation is and making sure that, you know, if you are having physical ailments all the time, just see if there's anything underlying with that, you know. Um, but certainly get the help that you need, speak out, read get some really good books there's so much out there with self-help at the moment you know like I say sue's book help me you can read the secret you can read i don't know there's loads of stuff there, around this is the age of information right so whether it's um, yeah. youtube podcast books there's so many ways to yeah. to sort of yeah. gather audio books all of those sorts of things yeah. i mean one of the things i did at the time when i was going through it was tended to avoid negative news i didn't have a tv for 18 months I love that. I do uh, that as well. Yeah, because I just think, you know, the news is on at 10 o'clock. Most people go to bed at half past 10, 11 o'clock, don't they? So you think, well, why would you want to listen to that before you go to bed? Yeah, yeah. That is not going to be helping your sleep, you know. Turn off the blue noise. Don't have your phones on next to your bed with with them on. That They can cause disturbed sleep. Yeah. You know, which was happening for me. So all these little things, be good to yourself. I mean, people will ask me now about my recovery. And I say to people, I'm in recovery. Thank, thankfully, the depression isn't, uh, you know, isn't there. I'm not on medication anymore. I have counsellors that I know if I need to go and talk to them, I can. So that's there. And I have great family and friends support. But it's about acknowledging that I still have anxiety. So I can get anxious um i avoid caffeine um caffeine brings on my anxiety um so find the triggers if you're in situations and you think oh you know like i got a sat nav i my, one of my triggers was getting lost if i was on journeys i used to get in a terrible state and yeah, try and yeah. read a map you know i'm like i can do without a sat nav in the end my lovely partner who was also my best friend when i was going through all this stuff he turned out to be just the greatest friend and um he said to me, well, I've got a spare sat-nav. Well, I just use it. And now I wouldn't be without it. You know, simple things like that. Yeah. Uh, try and read. I mean, I last year I lost two stone in weight. I've started to read books again. Um, and, you know, I'm starting to do other things. I mean, I got into debt and all sorts of stupid stuff, which isn't stupid stuff, but it was just silly stuff for me, you know. Yeah, um, but it adds to the build-up, doesn't it? It adds to the build-up. But I'm only now dealing with those things nine years on because I can only now deal with them. So there is still little things that are still going on, Yeah, you know, from that. Um, so just never stop learning. Just get some audio books, get some nice things, watch a nice film, read some books, eat well. You know, I used to eat badly and it, and it took me a long time to get back out of that and to lose that. Yeah. Um, so looking after you, your body and your looking mind. Looking after your body, maybe going for walks. If you don't want to go to the gym, get out in the fresh air as much as you can. The minute the, the sun shines, I am outside. 
that is me. I'm out there. I'll do everything outside. I eat outside. I, I just want to be outside and love the warm air. You know, even if it's not sunny, that warmth that you get from being outside. So spend as much time outside as you can because um, I think that really helps. And surround yourself where possible with positive people. Um, join groups. Do yeah. all those things that, that feed your soul and feed your body and your mind. And, and over time, things can get better you know they can improve and they will get better and and the dark days can some you know can be distant they're far off in the distance i don't think you ever forget them i certainly nope. don't forget them no nope, you don't um, <laughs> and but utilize them well you know i say out of every experience comes a lesson um and they say you know if you write a book about something you're expert in if somebody said to me because obviously I wrote the book. I said I was going to go to Ireland to write the book. I did write the book. Um, but people said to me, oh, you know, you'll become an expert in mental health and depression. I would have gone, you what? <laughs> really? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's what it's about. You know, um, don't so, see it as a, a cross to bear. See it as an experience to use to help other people. That's what amazing. I would say. So what is the biggest lesson you would say? that you've gained from your adversity, from your burnout and your bullying? Um, speak out. Always speak out. Speak out to somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's a friend, a family, a stranger, your boss, the local, I don't know, priest or vicar, I, Samaritans. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Teachers, speak to teachers, speak to whoever friends colleagues help yeah get help yeah talk about it because that's the first step in any recovery is talking about it don't be alone with whatever it is just don't be alone like i said i was really fortunate you know um i did have great sport great family and friends an amazing doctor i know that's not the same for everybody i'm fully aware of that but the there are strangers that can help you there are charity organizations that will offer help and um, what's, what's amazing, what I'm hearing is almost you building your business and this new path to in your life coincided with all this recovery learning. Yeah. So yeah. Where, whereas you did need a year out just for your body to, to get to some sense of normality, you, it sounds like your recovery was going alongside doing things that were quite practical rather yeah. than just um, sort of thinking about the information. Yeah. That, that's exactly what, what I did, you know, was just take those one step at a time. And I say to people every single day, take one step, one baby step, whether it's starting a business, growing a business, changing your life, getting better, <laughs> changing your life. losing weight. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, last year I thought, right, I'm going to lose two stone. And I did it one day at a time. Um, you know, I've, I'm I say with my partner now, he's lovely. He was my first boyfriend when I was 17. That's crazy. So that's oh. really lovely. I know. And he's just so special. He's so the kindest person. And he was there the whole time. Um, but he's a farmer as well, which makes it even more strange because I did write the You're book and a, I did. I, I know. I'm <laughs> it with just wasn't in the see? exact order you thought. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts bring reality. So honestly. You just think that. I always used to think, I'd go to Ireland, marry a farmer and write a book. And now I live with a farmer and I've written a book. There we go. There's my lesson for the day. Uh, just yeah. think it and it will happen. Oh, think it and it will happen. I mean, you've got to put little steps in. You know, I had to tell him how I felt about him, which was a bit kind of like, oh, I can't do that. All my friends were like, you have to, because what if he ends up with someone else? I was like, mm, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's all little things. But you have to take those little steps and you take have action. to believe 
take action. Same with, you know, the business. Stay away. One of the big things um, for me, Petra, was um, comparisons. I do a lot of mindfulness now. Don't compare your life, your recovery, your illness. Don't compare it with anything else. Don't get caught up on the whole social media thing by looking at other people's lives and thinking, oh, I can't do that. Such a disease. It's it's awful. Mm. Don't do it. Think about what you want. Think about who you are. Think about the things you want in your life um, and educate yourself. And you will have that. You know, I've got this thing up in front of me now on my in my office, and it says, wish it, dream it, do it. Oh, you can. Wish it, dream it, do it. I think we found the title of the podcast. There you go. That's it. So exciting. Um, Bev, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and to, to give me and the listeners so much uh, wisdom. Uh, if people want to connect with you in some way or find out more about what you do, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at my website, which is www.awakencoaching.co.uk. You can check me out there and have a look. Yeah. You can find me on the social media platforms. So at Twitter, I'm um, at AwakenLifeCoach. Um, on Facebook, there's an Awaken Life Coaching page. I think it's called Awaken Coaching. Lovely. Keep on the life in it, but it's Awaken Coaching. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you can find me under Beverly Jones on LinkedIn and the Corporate Angel is all on Perfect. there. But You're everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere, yeah. yeah. If you Conquering want to listen, the world. You can- you can listen to my um, every Friday night between five and seven. I'm on a, a local radio station called NH Sound. Um, so if you download the app, you can listen to my um, positive link and uh, easy listening show five till seven on a Friday night. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, I do that as well. <laughs> Lovely. I'll look you up. Um, we'll, we'll add all of those details uh, into the show notes of the podcast. Um, Bev, again, Brilliant. thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on, as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com, for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.